His blood pressure was 195 over 89. In my mind, I think, whew, at least he's not in shock. His heart rate was in the 50s. Oxygen saturation, 98%. So very confusing picture. Whatever it is, it's not good. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. This podcast is for nurses who want the knowledge, skills, and confidence to respond to any emergency. With almost 20 years of experience in the ER and critical care nursing and a master's degree in nursing education, I have a lot of stories to share, and I love to nerd out and break down the pathophysiology, pharmacology, and nurses' role in emergencies. Stories bring learning to life. It is way easier to learn from and remember the stories that my colleagues and mentors have told me than anything I've read in a textbook. And that is why I made this podcast. Every episode is packed full of exactly what you need to know to handle whatever crisis that could arise on your shift. It's one thing to get the right answer on the test, but knowing how to detect when your patient is declining and what to do when your patient is crashing is what will make or break your day and might just save your patient's life. I respond to a call on the cardiac floor. Patient is a young man in his 40s. He looks terrible. He's diaphoretic and very much in distress. Says he's dizzy and has blurred vision. He feels hot. Asking for someone to fan him. Everyone is scurrying around trying to get the monitor on him, asking him questions. Sir, are you having chest pain? Are you feeling short of breath? And he's like, no, I'm just hot and I can't see. I can tell the team thinks fanning him seems like a low priority intervention right now, considering how terrible he looks, but... He did have beads of sweat dripping off his forehead and the look of impending doom in his eyes. So I approached the patient. Hi, sir. I'm Sarah, the rapid response nurse. Tell me about what you're feeling right now. He tells me he's just so hot and now he has a headache. I look up to the vital sign machine just as it made the sound that it makes when the blood pressure is done reading. His blood pressure was 195 over 89. In my mind, I think, whew, at least he's not in shock. His heart rate was in the 50s. Oxygen saturation, 98%. So very confusing picture. Whatever it is, it's not good, but I do have some time to figure it out because we have a lot of wiggle room with his blood pressure. So I pull back the cover so that I can assess him further and immediately note that he has very poor muscle tone in his upper and lower extremities. His hands are curled inward and his feet are pointing down. So I ask him, tell me about your medical history. And he says he's a quadriplegic from a car accident 10 years ago, but no other medical history. I know that he has a Foley in place and he's tilted on his left side. The nurse chimes in. He has a stage two pressure ulcer, so we've been keeping on his sides to offload pressure from his sacral area. His lower extremities are cold and his face is flushed. And that's when it clicked for me. This guy is having an episode of autonomic dysreflexia. So I immediately went into rapid investigator mode. Sir, have you ever had autonomic dysreflexia before? And he said, yes, last time I had a UTI. Just then, the blood pressure cycled again, and it was even higher, 200 over 105. I led the team to get all the wedges out from underneath his right side. We got him flat on his back and then sat him up in bed as much as possible and put his legs down. As reversed to Nellenberg as we could get him without him slipping out of the bed. So we straightened all of his sheets out from underneath him, ensured his foley was draining properly, and within minutes, he started to improve. His flushed and dizzy feeling subsided, as did his diaphoresis, his vision improved, and his blood pressure started to come down. 
To be honest, we will never know what was triggering this autonomic dysreflexia. Maybe the foley was kinked and we unkinked it when we repositioned him. Maybe he was laying in a painful position but wasn't able to feel it to tell us. I have no idea. But our simple interventions to reposition him corrected the problem, and he never needed medications or any other interventions to return to baseline. All the nurses were like, what just happened? <laughs> Remember, I said, we're on the cardiac floor. So when they saw diaphoresis, they jumped right into ruling out acute coronary syndrome, appropriately so, asking if he's having chest pain and shortness of breath. But the source of all of his crazy symptoms, hypertension, bradycardia, flushing at his face with diaphoresis, cool extremities, blurred vision, headache, all of that was just related to his spinal injury. So let's break down autonomic dysreflexia. Autonomic dysreflexia, or AD, is a syndrome that occurs in persons who have had a spinal cord injury at the level of T6 or above. It's also called autonomic hyperreflexia, or hypertensive autonomic crisis, or sympathetic hyperreflexia, or autonomic spasticity. Something stimulates the autonomic nervous system, but because of the spinal injury, the autonomic nervous system cannot respond normally and the dysregulated response results with all of these crazy symptoms. So let's back it up a little bit. As you remember, the autonomic nervous system is comprised of the sympathetic, the parasympathetic, and the enteric nervous systems. The sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems are opposite to each other. Sympathetic is the more excitatory system. That's the one that's activated when there's an emergency or a perceived threat. The sympathetic nervous system dumps hormones like epinephrine, norepinephrine into your system to make your heart squeeze faster and more effectively and your blood vessels to clamp down, which increases the blood pressure. It bronchodilates so you can oxygenate better and gives you more oxygen and blood flow to your muscles and vital organs. Even your vision improves with sympathetic nervous system activation. Now on the flip side, the parasympathetic system helps to calm things down. I learned it as the rest and digest system. The parasympathetic system causes a slower heart rate, a lower blood pressure, and allows for your body to go back to performing all of its regular functions. So here's what happens with autonomic dysreflexia. Something noxious occurs below the level of the spinal injury, something painful or uncomfortable and the message is sent up the spine that something's wrong, but the message is blocked from the spinal injury. So below the level of injury, the body is experiencing a massive dump of sympathetic nervous system hormones. In the lower two thirds of the body, alarms are going off that something is wrong and there's vasoconstriction, and the blood pressure increases and the skin becomes less perfused. But the upper part of the body can't receive the messages from the south. There's a block, but it can pick up that there's blood pressure is climbing, like the bare receptors in the carotids can sense that and activate the parasympathetic system, but just in the upper third of the body. So the upper part of the body is vasodilating, flushed, warm, and the person might even become bradycardic due to the vagus nerve trying to calm things down a bit. So you have this dysregulated autonomic reflex, hence autonomic dysreflexia. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break to talk about something that I think is really important, and that is getting certified in your nursing specialty. Not because having the extra letters behind your name make you a better nurse, but because taking the time to deep dive into all that you need to know for your specialty, putting in the study hours, and dedicating yourself to mastering what your patients need you to know how to manage them best, that 
the prep for the exam is what will make you a better nurse. So whatever specialty you are currently working in, go study for that certification exam. And if you're a critical care nurse, I have something that will help you pass your CCRN. My friend Nick McGowan has an excellent online self-paced CCRN prep course called Critical Care Academy. It is so thorough and he has broken down everything you need to know into little bite-sized digestible content that he calls micro learning. Let me tell you, the CCRN is the hardest test I've taken in my entire life. You don't want to go it alone. You wanna take this course to ensure that you know your stuff before sitting for the exam. If you'd like to check out his course, you can find it at ccrnacademy.com. And great news, just for being a Rapid Response RN podcast listener, you get 10% off the cost of the course by using the coupon code RAPID10 at checkout. So if you've ever considered getting your CCRN, do it and let Critical Care Academy help make sure that you will pass. I'll put the link and coupon code in the show notes. So that's how you can have the strange combo of bradycardia and hypertension, cold extremities, but a flushed face. But what could be so bad to cause this? Well, the most common is issues related to the bladder, UTIs, urinary tension, kinked or malpositioned Foley catheter, but fecal impaction can also cause this kind of dysregulation of the sympathetic system. Other causes are orthopedic injuries, wounds, epididymitis, cholecystitis, painful menstruation, sexual stimulation. Even labor delivery has been found to be the source of autonomic dysreflexia. So working in the ER, I've seen it a few times with patients who've sustained injuries that they were unaware of or their catheters had gotten clogged. But for this patient, I have no idea. (laughs) I didn't see any obvious injuries or positioning of his extremities that seemed painful. I'm unsure what was causing his AD. (laughs) But fortunately, repositioning was enough to fix it. But it's not always that easy. Let me start by saying, if your patient seems to have symptoms of autonomic dysreflexia, you don't have to wait around for the doctor to show up. Most likely, whatever is causing this is something that you as the nurse can fix without a doctor's order. Fix the Foley, drain the bladder, reposition the patient to allow for more comfort, remove any and all clothing and ensure that nothing is restrictive or binding and search for anything that might cause pain or discomfort to the patient. But you won't know that by asking the patient if something hurts, they can't feel it. Their body knows something is wrong. So now you have to do some investigation to figure it out. Additionally, go ahead and position the patient with the legs somewhat dependent. You know how we flip patients into Trendelenburg when they're hypotensive to bolus the patient with the volume in the legs and improve the blood pressure? Well, the same concept is true when you have hypertension. Get the patient upright and the legs in a dependent position, which allows for blood to kind of drain down and hopefully lowers the blood pressure. If you find the culprit, fix it and the symptoms will resolve. If it's not a quick fix though, like a UTI or a wound, you may have to give some medications to treat hypertension. Nitroglycerin is a great option, but just ensure that the patient hasn't taken any phosphodiesterase inhibitors like sildenafil prior to the administration of nitrates. Sublingual or PO catapril or clonidine or nifedipine are great options. If PO or sublingual is not controlling the blood pressure, you can also do IV hydralazine or even intravenous labetalol if the heart rate's not too slow already. You can also start intravenous infusions like nitroglycerin or clevoprex. So the last thing I want to say is that sometimes it's not an easy fix and it might be something very concerning 
causing the autonomic dysreflexia symptoms. So think, what else could cause pain? DVT, a STEMI, a renal stone? It's a little more difficult to nail down the source when we can't follow the pain to the diagnosis. So think of autonomic dysreflexia symptoms as the body's way of telling you something is wrong. It may be a little wrong, like the patient needs to just be repositioned, or it may be a lot wrong, like a STEMI. So collaborate with the interdisciplinary team to search for and identify the source and don't just blindly treat the blood pressure and move on. Okay, let's review. So if a patient with injuries at or above the level of T6 has a severe headache, hypertension, and different guidelines say different things. Some say 20 millimeters of mercury above the baseline, some say 40. So if this patient has a soft blood pressure at baseline, a blood pressure of only 140 systolic might be enough to confirm autonomic dysreflexia. Profuse diaphoresis and flushing above the level of the injury, piloerection or like chill lumps above the level of the injury, cool, pale skin below the level of the injury, visual disturbances, constricted pupils, nasal stuffiness, anxiety or feelings of impending doom, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, all of these are symptoms possibly of autonomic dysreflexia. Recognize this as warning signs that something's wrong below the level of injury and take everything off the patient. Nothing constricting. Search for any possible sources. Get the patient's legs in a dependent position to help lower the blood pressure. Frequently check the blood pressure and treat it with vasodilators, calcium channel blockers, or beta blockers to prevent any negative consequences of uncontrolled high blood pressure. Continue to closely monitor the patient and treat the blood pressure until the source is found, fixed, and the symptoms resolve. So I hope the next time you encounter a patient with autonomic dysreflexia, that doesn't take you as long as it took me <laughs> to figure out what's going on. So you can jump in and start searching for the source and prevent your patient from developing any of the life-threatening complications of severe hypertension. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that if you like this episode, you would probably like my course too. My one-hour rapid response and rescue course is an introduction to how I approach emergencies. If you would like to learn to think, assess, and respond quickly when your patient is crashing, then you can check out my website, rapidresponseandrescue.com. And if you message me the word podcast on Instagram, I will send you a coupon code for $10 off the cost of the course. Oh, and did I mention that the course is approved by the AACN and worth one continuing education contact hour? So if you want to level up your emergency response skills and get one CE in the process, then this course is what you want. I put the link in the show notes for you. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport. So trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing and your patient care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponseandrescue.com or on social media platforms as the Rapid Response RN. 